Hey everyone, welcome back to Jay Kim's Topic. I'm your host, Jason Kim, and today's uh, episode is part two of the tattoo season. So for the last episode, uh, you probably heard some clips or some little glitches in the sound, and that's 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 the issue on my end. That's not a that's not a problem with your audio or anything like that. I'm having issues in my recording. There might be an issue with either the software I'm using, which is Descript, really good software. And, or it might be an issue with my preamp or with my mic, but I've tested the mic and preamp on other, on other systems. And I think it's Descript. But anyway, so for anyone, if you're listening and you keep hearing this clicking and clipping noise, uh, it's not you, it's, it's me. So welcome back to Jacob's topic anyway. And today's episode will be covering Japanese tattoos. And the reason why I wanted to tackle Japanese tattoos as the first episode after the intro is because my entire life, I think anyone who's been vigilant with people with tattoos, you've noticed there's always Asian themed tattoos on anyone, almost on any person, particularly white people. But, you know, it is what it is. So back to tattoos and tattoo and cultural appropriation is something that will be discussed later at the end of this episode but i'll bring it up again in other episodes because i feel like it's more relevant to other cultures polynesian cultures might be a really good one but anyway so today's episode is japanese tattoos and why is it so taboo in asia where only gangsters get tattoos and in the west it's become a you know source of prof- not profound of uh interest and fascination and people love asian style tattoos they love the artistry they love the style they love the calligraphy and all, you know to me that all makes sense so i thought why do we love all these things and look into the history of japanese tattoos and sort of i guess explain it to myself as a western audience and if you feel the same way i'm glad to have you on board with me all right so let's get into the history of japanese tattoo the japanese referred to tattooing as irezumi which means inserting ink or one of the, one of the loose translations or one of many. And Japanese tattoo culture dates back to the Jomon period, which is about 10,500 BC or BCE to 300 BC or BCE. BC, BCE is the same measurement of time. BC means before Christ. BCE means before common era. Academia has done that to become a little more inclusive and not so Christian, which is fine. But, you know, it's still very Christian if you're using the same Christian calendar and years. So, you know, but anyway... Historians, when this, when you know, when uh, researching and and discovering about Japanese tattoo, they found clay figurines linked to this time that had markings on their bodies representing tattoos or other body modifications. So they would find these dolls that were lying around these archaeological sites, and they had markings and tattoos on the dolls. However, there's been a debate if this is a legitimate evidence of people doing tattoos, and I think that's a good, I think that's a good point if. If just because you find a doll with tattoos doesn't mean everyone's getting tatted. I mean, think about the Barbie doll, right? The influence of the Barbie doll in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, even the 70s, or even earlier to the 50s, it influenced so much people's perception of how of the woman's body, what a woman's body ought to be. The perfect woman, blonde hair, uh, hourglass shape, you know. And, and then you ask yourself, is everyone like that in society? No, but... Are people uh, striving to become like that? Yes, yes. It influences the way people think and how they perceive themselves. So my argument, or I guess tacking onto this argument, is if you find a doll, an ancient doll with tattoos on it, 
it's most likely that people within that tribe had tattoos, right? Imagine a little kid growing up with a tattooed doll. That little kid would one day perhaps would want a tattoo just like a doll. The same way a little girl growing up with a Barbie doll would probably think that she would want the same body as Barbie because, you know, it's this interaction and connection you have with toys. Who knows? I, I don't know. But people are tattooing and that's a fact. And then my argument or this not really an argument it's a fact that you've seen in many tattoo cultures is perhaps tattoos are held at a high standard that only the most deserving members of the tribe received it. You know, tattoos in various cultures represent rank and seniority. I'll get to that in the other episodes, especially the Polynesian episode. But that being said, tattoos did exist in Japan. Uh, how it was used. I mean, there's still, I mean, I didn't go too deep into it because I want to get more to today's time, but we know that the Japanese have been tattooing for a very, very, very long time. Now, fast forward from 10,000 BCE to the 17th and 19th century. I don't know how many thousand, 10,000 years we skipped. I'm not good at math, so I'm not going to do that. But this period, the 17th, 19th century, is the Edo period. During those years, it was common for the Japanese to use tattoos as forms of punishment. In fact, being punished by being marked with a tattoo specifically placed on the forehead was first recorded in 720 AD or Common Era CE. This form of punishment was reserved for those who committed the worst crimes. The 17th century marked the end of tattooing as a punishment. However, it started the beginning of a ban on them entirely. Decorative tattoos were seen by the Japanese government as ways of criminals to cover up their ink that they received as punishment. Because of this, pictorial Japanese tattooing flourished during the 18th century in connection with the Edo period. During this time, the Yakuza favored tattoos for they were painful and and to get one showed signs of courage and lifelong loyalty to the gang. So let's break that all down. So these tattoos are essentially started as criminals. So if you went to prison or if you, yeah, if you're going to jail or whatever, and you were convicted, they would tattoo you. The government would tattoo you. And those tattoos were correlated to the specific crime you committed. So, and also, yeah, so those tattoos are trigrams and if you look at the Korean flag and you see the bars in the corners, those are trigrams. And in Confucian Asian philosophy, there's like eight of them. There's eight different trigrams representing different elements of the earth or of the universe or whatever. And in Japan, what I noticed was that the, uh, the criminals who were getting tattooed as punishment were getting those kind of trigrams and those different types of trigrams correlated to a different crime. So if you had, let's say, if you were a murderer, you would have three solid black bars, you know, on your forehead or something like that. So that once you get out of prison, everybody knows what you've done as a crime. Extreme shame, extreme guilt. So you can see why if you were an innocent man, you can see why this is very problematic for you. And because of those trigrams, which are, they're, they're very strong statements. They're not as nice. They're just, you know, very, yeah, they're just not nice. It's supposed to mark you as another. And uh, as a result, these, you know, the Yakuza, the Japanese gangs, uh, decided to cover those uh, cover those marks up, those let's call them trigrams, cover it up with more decorative art that we know today, you know, tigers and dragons and geishas, uh, cloud breaks, uh, waves, you know, what have you, cherry blossoms, you know, different styles that we see often or different gods or different Buddhist or Shinto iconic, iconography. It, it, it could be a lot of things. And lastly, uh, the Yakuza, when they... When you want to become a full-fledged member of the Yakuza, you have to get tatted. The same way, it's not as if you just show up, be like, hey, I want to be a member. They're like, hey, step in and we'll get you tatted and you know, here's the employee card. It's more of 
you know, you got to do work, prove that you're, you're down for this kind of lifestyle. You're about it. And you want to, you know, put your life down for a cause that's not of your own and is of criminal nature. And to do so, they get, you know, they, they lie there for three, four, five, I don't know how many hours to get a full sleeve and it hurts. <laughs> yeah, it hurts. Like getting tattoos, it does hurt. And that's sort of the point of getting tattoos that it's supposed to hurt. Whenever I hear people say, I want to get a painless tattoo in my head, I'm like, don't get a tattoo because the whole point of it is that it's supposed to hurt. That's the barrier. Pain is supposed to be the barrier of how serious are you? You want to get this thing on you. If you get it without pain, then it loses half of its meaning. The reason why tattoos are memorable for a lot of people is because of that pain. You never, a lot, a lot of people get to experience that pain on a regular basis. There's some people who love that pain and you know, that's part of it. And if you want to shy away from the pain, then, you know, how can you confront the more serious shit in life? Maybe I'm reading a little too much into it, but anyway, let's move on. All right. So laws against tattoos were enforced in 1936 after the war between Japan and China broke out. Banning tattoos entirely. The Japanese government thought people with tattoos were problematic. Oh, yeah, I mean, they still see that kind of today. It wasn't until 1946 that tattooing became legal again. Oh, anyway, all this to say what the history of tattooing in Japan is that it's not really a clan thing or a cultural or a ethnic thing. It's, it's a criminality thing. But it's become a criminality thing when they've always had tattoo culture from ancient times. And in the modern times, They've switched it up to mean criminality because of the Edo period. You know, it's kind of interesting how things shift. And now, and but back now, the Yakuza are not getting tattoos anymore because it's too easy to be detected. So the Yakuza are not getting tattoos anymore because they want to blend in into society because they're trying to infiltrate into Japanese high society right now. Okay, so now that was the history. So you get an understanding of how tattooing is like in Japan. Now I'm going to move on to the religion aspects of tattooing which i found fascinating because if you if you pay attention to japanese tattoos there's a lot of religious symbolism religious iconography and i decided to go more into it because you know that's what i do so for religion the artistic depiction of japanese tattoos often tell a story the tattoo motifs can be a depiction of japanese mythology and folklore often retelling the myth through the representation of certain characters Importantly, the intricate art represents a particular theme like power, humility, wisdom, so on and so forth. I won't go into detail because my knowledge of Buddhism is limited, but I have taken classes on Buddhism, so I'll do my best at explaining Buddhism, but I can also be wrong. Also, I'm someone who absolutely loves to study Buddhism, so I am still learning about the religion on my own as I go. So if you're like that, then we'll be learning together right now. So let's start. Fudo Myo, or in Sanskrit, Akala, meaning the immovable, is a Buddhist deity found, co- found commonly in Vajrayana Buddhism, which is a different branch of Buddhism. There's like three different branches of Buddhism. Akala, or Fudo Myo, he is popular in Japanese Buddhism as a figure of protection. They're called Dharma Pala, or defenders, protectors of the Dharma. Their goal is to protect all Buddhists on the path of awakening. So Dharma, uh, before I go further, Dharma is, is this concept of Buddhism. In any form of Buddhism, which it believe it's it's the matrix essentially. It's the matrix that the entire world we live not not in a simulation, obviously, but we live in a closed space of different realms. There's a, if you're into Tibetan Buddhism, there's a hungry ghost realm, the animal realm, the human realm, the je- hell realm, the jealous gods realm, and then the god realm, 
there's like six. And the whole point and the whole philosophy of Buddhism is to break out of that cycle of Dharma because of your karma, uh, whatever karma accumulation you've done in your life, you will be in your next life based on the karma, you'll be assigned to one of those six realms. And so for you as an individual in Buddhism, you need to break out of that Dharma and reach Nirvana awakening. You're, you're out of it. A different level of existence. Let's call it that. You, you, you broke out. You, let's say you went from the third dimension to the fourth dimension. That is one way of understanding it. So that's sort of what Buddhism is all about for you to break out of that cycle of uh, death and birth and death and life and that never ending cycle. And someone like Akala, Fudomio, his, their, their job is to protect you and to protect the Dharma. When they mean to protect the Dharma, they don't mean to protect it from people trying to break out. It's the opposite. It's trying to help you break out of Dharma, but also protect those on the path of awakening. That's one of the roles of a Dharmapala. Oh, or I could be wrong. Maybe there's someone else. Anyway, their goal is to protect all Buddhists on the path of awakening. Fudo Mio is depicted with fangs, a sword, and a lasso. They're associated with wrath towards those who may harm Buddhists. So they're like, um, they're like, if you're a Catholic, it's uh, Saint Michael the Archangel, the angel who will go to war for you, who will protect you. You know, often depicted with a uh, depicted with a sword. So what does this mean for tattooing? If you get a character like Akala on your body, so if you had Akala or Fudo Mio, I'm gonna keep calling it Fudo Mio because that's a Japanese name. So if you had Fudo Mio tattooed on you, you can either mean it can either mean two things. Fudo Mio is protecting your body and soul on the path of awakening. Or you are Fudo Mio character. Like you are that person or yeah, that character. You're a soldier, a gangster, a gangster in the positive, uh, in the positive way, if that, or perhaps even police. So it's this whole like very confrontational way of just protection, protection, protection. A very strong image. Like any other tattoos, Japanese tattoos are highly symbolic and meaningful. Oh, this is this is what I find interesting. So being symbolic and meaningful with the case of Fudo Mio, if you have that Buddhist character or Buddhist deity or yeah, Buddhist deity on your body, it means you're protective, you're strong, courageous, you have good luck, and you have elements of heroism to you. And if you have, let's say, a tiger, a tiger climbing up, uh, climbing up a tree, let's say you have it on your arm, the tiger's you know climbing up your arm. That represents power ascending, meaning your quest is to obtain power to reach the top of that pyramid. On the other side, if you have a tiger ascending, moving down your arm, that means the, mount, the tiger's coming down the tree, coming down the mountain, meaning it is imposing power. For example, a tiger climbing down a tree means it's out to hunt. It means you're imposing your power. Very cool stuff. If you have one symbol of a tiger going up, that means you want to, let's say, reach CEO level or something like that. If you have a tiger going down, then you are the CEO and you're about to fire some people. That's pretty much, <laughs> I guess that's how you can interpret that. But also the tiger overall is also tied to these other meanings like determination, strength, courage, desire for success, and water. Water will always have its way and the tiger will always have its way. I think that's the, I'm assuming that's their interpretation because that sounded really fucking cool. So moving on. So traveling to Japan with tattoos, I've, I was planning a trip before a pandemic, me and my friends, we were going to fly to uh, Korea and, you know, just enjoy Korea and see there. And 
I was asking my other friend who is more Korean than I am. And I asked him, how would we manage with me and my tattoos? And he said, oh, it's going to be pretty easy. We could stay in parts of towns where people don't care about those things. Or um, we'll, we'll stay around young people who, again, don't care about those kind of things. They find it cool or whatever. But I'll, you know, I'm a little old school. And I'm always more worried about the older people in society, in, especially in Korea. And you know, I was thinking about going to spas. How am I going to avoid all this? Uh, anyway, it's a lot to think about if you have tattoos going to Korea and Japan. However, you shouldn't. If you're an Asian person, I think there's a lot of anxiety. Uh, if you're a white person, they don't care. If you're not Asian, they they absolutely don't care. They're like, whatever. You're foreign. You do what you want. You know. Uh, but if it's other Asian people, if it's Korean guy with tattoos going to Korea, if it's Japanese guy going to Japan with tattoos. It's gonna feel weird and awkward, but I guess you just get used to it. But I, I did again. Obviously, did some research, and I was looking for places, uh, looking for tips about traveling to Japan with tattoos. And as someone who loves to travel, I thought this is you know quite useful for me. So for those who want to travel to Japan and you have a visible tattoo, maybe these are things that you should keep in mind of. If you're traveling at an Airbnb or host family, give them a heads up you have a tattoo because some of them may not like that, and I could totally see that happening. Because you know, last thing they want to be seen is that their guest is a gangster, according to their neighbors. You know, when they're just like, "Nah, it's just a, a foreigner traveling." And tattoos are technically not illegal, but you may be denied service in spas, pools, public transit without covering, and that's it. Because oh, I, yeah, it's considered an etiquette. If you do have tattoos, they would rather have you, you know, try to cover it up as much as possible. If you are foreign, like a European person, like I said, they won't care. This is for other Asians who might be a little more anxious about these things. It's good food for thought. If I were to go to Japan this summer, I probably would just wear a t-shirt and I probably wouldn't care as much until someone approaches me, say, could you please cover it up? And if they do ask so politely, I will do it because, you know, everyone's a good person, ideally. Okay. So, so far I covered three major things or two. Uh, First one being the history of Japan or history of tattoo in Japan. Uh, it's been there since the beginning and how it's taken on this meaning of criminality, this element of criminality by the government, because that was government's need to mark the prisoners instead of giving them orange jumpsuits. And we also learned some of the religious symbolism and iconography and what that means and how profoundly those meanings are. And as, as a matter of fact, this made me think about, especially with Akala and the meaning of Fudomio, the meaning of Fudomio on the body, and that as a tattoo, as an art piece. And it made me think of sort of the intersection between gang culture and religion. That I always found fascinating. Every gang culture you see, there's a religion aspect that always gets involved. I always found that fascinating. Anyway, as you know by now, I like to go off tangent a little bit here and there. And that's just my style. Uh, That's how I think. And for those who stuck, stick by and enjoy it, thank you for your patience. I appreciate that. You're great people, great listeners. So anyway, so we covered history, religion, and traveling to Japan with tattoos. I guess to conclude, I want to talk about the future of Japanese tattoos. And I I wrote something, and I, I guess I'll just read what I wrote, and then I'll talk a little openly at the end of it. So what did I write? As you can tell, Japanese tattoos are not only incredible pieces of artistic work, they are culturally bound with layers of historical meaning. However, it is important to learn, appreciate, and understand the cultural heritage of each style of tattoo. For the Japanese, tattoos will remain a contentious issue, with an increasing number of Yakuza gang members opting not to get tattooed, 
it disrupts the notions of tattoo and criminality. If only weird sub countercultural people get tatted, does the art remain taboo due to its criminal past or for the weird hipster fad like in the West? I don't know where the future Japanese tattoos is headed towards, but I do not believe Japanese tattoos will ever fade out, especially with an increasing appreciation for the art coming from a Western audience. Japanese tattoos have the potential to thrive in the West with cultural competent artists. With Japan increasingly leaning towards the conservative spectrum of politics, who knows what could happen to the tattoo industry and culture in Japan? So, I guess to summarize what I was saying here is Japanese tattoo is not really going anywhere. The element of criminality is shifting, because I said earlier, the Yakuza are opting to not get tatted. When I mean there's an increasing number of Yakuza not getting tatted, I mean, the, as a matter of fact, the Yakuza in terms of membership is declining. Some of them have become jaded with what the Yakuza have become, which is a purely monetized criminal entity, as opposed to being about the community or whatever, you know, whatever idealized, romanticized visions we have of gangsters of the past. But, but whatever Yakuza are out there, the new members, how rather, are not getting tatted for, you know, they don't want to be detected. So, in a culture where tattoos were seemingly almost exclusively, exclusively criminal, what does this mean for its future if the Yakuza are no longer getting tatted? As a matter of fact, a lot of Japanese tattoo artists that I found on Instagram, which obviously, obviously I'm blanking on the name, but I, I've come across where a lot of Japanese tattoo artists are moving out of Japan and they're applying their traits in other countries where there is a more receptive audience. And I think that is the way Japanese tattoos will live on. Is with the people. Obviously, I'm always about the people. The people will always keep things alive if you give them an environment to thrive. And well, obviously, no shit. <laughs> but I mean that in the cultural aspect and cultural things. And in this case, tattoo. And then I always get asked a question How do you feel about a white guy doing, let's say, Japanese themed arts or Japanese themed tattoos? And my requirement is that as long as this guy genuinely lived, more than a year or two in Japan, just doing tattoos, learning how to be a Japanese tattoo artist, learning from Japanese people, learning Japanese culture, understanding the significance of Japanese tattoos in Japan and in the world and why it's so amazing and appreciative. You know, to me is you could be a white guy, but if you have all that knowledge and experience of living in Japan, then I'm okay with that, that you do Japanese tattoos because at least you went out and you've taught yourself instead of just being in a, you know, some danky basement in, in Calgary learning Japanese tattoos online, you know, like it's, it's, I'd rather have that person travel to Japan and learn from Japanese people as opposed to learning it on their own in some shitty basement. Like that's where I stand with most Asian culture things is I don't mind if the person's not of the Asian culture, so long as you show the respect that it comes from and you educate others as to why it's important to be educated on these things and why Asian people hold these, you know, food, music, a clothing, tattoo culture, you know, religion. The reason why Asians hold that so closely because it's been with us for thousands upon thousands of years. And the West, the West is now very fascinated with East Asia and wants a lot more of it and wants to, you know, dive in, into it. And that's cool. And I encourage that, you know, the more people travel to Asia, the less talk of racism and nefarious cultural appropriation. Cause I do believe there's levels of cultural appropriation, but I, I think the, the theoretical term behind it has low limits and that's a problem. 
and we make anything into cultural appropriation, which is not the case. Um, we need to rein it back a little bit. Anyway, that's me going off tangent again. But all this to say is Japanese tattoos are really fucking cool. They're, they're really cool. Everyone agrees. I find them cool. But anyway, there's so much more I could talk about Japanese tattoos. I mean, we could talk about Ed Hardy, how he literally made a t-shirt, an ex- overly expensive douchebag t-shirt industry uh, by being influenced by Japanese art, by Japanese tattoo art. And I'm allowed to call that call Ed Hardy t-shirt douchebags because I used to wear them. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I'll just say if you're someone who's interested in, in getting Japanese tattoo, fine. Just just know what you're getting and understand what you're getting and show the respect of what you're getting. But at the end of the day, it's your body, your choice, your life. So who am I to say to do or what not to do? But if you do, if you are a well-meaning person. You know, do some research, look it up, enjoy it. I guess a thought I would want to try to leave with you is if you wanted to get a Japanese tattoo, why? Why did you want to get it? I love talking about tattoos. I love talking about religion. I love talking about soccer. So if any of you listeners out there want to talk about tattoos or have never gone to tattoo before, I would love to talk you through it. And, you know, if you have any questions, if you need any help or advice or even where to get tattoos, I could probably help you with that. And you can always reach me on Instagram, Jason underscore Jisoo. Jisoo spelled G-I-S-O-O. So anyway, all this to say is thank you for listening. And next episode will be on Polynesian tattoos. That's, that's something I'm definitely looking forward to talking about. And again, thank you for your patience. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being an audience. And I'll see you or I'll talk to you soon. I'll talk to you later. My name is Jason Kim. And this is Jay Kim's topic from Montreal. Thank you.